Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Welcome back or welcome uh, welcome to Gardening Naturally. Hot day today again. Two weeks of hot. At least two weeks of hot. And by hot, I mean over 100 degrees. Um, I have no idea when it's going to end. I don't think anybody does. We just desperately need. We are in extreme drought. Three central counties, Hayes, Travis, and Williamson, have large sections, if not the entire county, that is considered to be extreme drought. It's all around water, folks. Um, Whatever you want to call it, we don't get enough rain. If we could have rain, this heat would be bearable. Well, this heat wouldn't be so bad. Now, a lot of you are going to notice some things. And you're checking out a tree or a shrub. And it's looking really poorly. And your question is, well, do I cut it down? Do I replace it? No. First off, you're not going to replace anything right now. Second, even if you wanted to put a tree in and you had the tree picked out, you would not plant it in this weather. This is, you could do it. But this is so unbelievably brutal on the plants. You want to plant these perennials, the the woody perennials, the shrubs, the trees, you want to plant those like October, not now. This heat has got to break and we have to have some rain before you start thinking about planting. Well, a lot of you are looking at your plants and you're going, oh, they're all bad. They're dying. Not necessarily. I mean, they could look horrid. They really can. Until we get rain, you're you're not providing enough water on your own. Until we get real rain, a sufficient amount of it, several inches, hopefully over a couple of weeks, to soak the soil and provide these plants with a cooling break and water to get out of the drought, ignore your plants. Don't think they're dying. Don't don't care if they're dying. Leave them be. Wait till the weather comes back. Wait till we get some rain and cooler temperatures and see if they don't return. Because they can't. They can. There are lots of plants that are going to look absolutely horrid, just terrible for a while. I have trees that the leaves have turned their fall colors already. I've got a big tooth maple. The leaves sure are pretty, nice and orange, and they're falling off like crazy. So I am hoping that the minute we get some rain, it will recover. But 
if if you think it's dying, let it die. Don't don't be running out there now to try to replace it. See if you can't get um, see if you can't get them to make an appearance to recover when we get real rain. <clears throat> Patience is going to be a big deal for us. It's going to be a real big deal. We're going to have to wait for some rain and cooler temperatures to know what's going on. You know, getting questions here, and you may have heard when I was talking about Bo Masters, the arborist, we're starting to make choices based on the adaptability of plants to these kind of conditions. Someone has texted me and asked about Texas persimmon. They are a native plant. And yes, they are drought tolerant. They don't get particularly large, so they are an attractive tree. Fair rate of growth. But anything that you pick with the idea of it being it's going to be more drought tolerant, it will only be drought tolerant once it is established. So that means if you're planting it October, you need to really treat it super good and care for it well so it will get its roots established as quickly as possible. With a tree, that can be two years for the plant to really get established in the area that it's at. So, yes, there are definitely trees, shrubs that are much more drought tolerant than what you may have in the ground now. But drought tolerance, remember... We always leave out a couple of words. We talk about plants that are drought tolerant, and you never hear those other two words that say, when established. No plant is drought tolerant when you first put it in the soil. If you throw a plant out there in the dirt and walk away, you have no guarantee it's going to make it. You still need to water it and care for it until those roots get reestablished and really anchor themselves into the soil. It's critical. It's critical for it to establish itself before uh, you start thinking, okay, it could handle the summer that we just had. There are plenty of plants that can do that that do particularly well, but again, it all revolves around, you have to get them started and started correctly. Once you do that, then yeah, you've got something that should should make it through this kind of weather. Hopefully, we're not gonna have this kind of weather often. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break, I'll be right back. 
This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I have a really interesting text, not just for the text itself, but for the idea behind it. Someone has asked me for a substitute to replace Nandina. That's great. That is great. Nandina is invasive, and the berries can be toxic to birds. It is not a good native Texas plant. But people like the looks of it. What do you do to replace that? What are options to replace the Nandina? Well, there are varieties of Nandina that don't bury. All of the qualities of regular Nandina, but they stay short, they don't bury, they don't run. That still may not be enough for you. So, as always, I'm going to suggest the Grow Green Guide. That's growgreen.org. It's a product from the city of Austin. It is full of outstanding suggestions for plants that grow here. Not only that, but in some of the literature of this guide, they'll have things like, hey, look, we would prefer you not plant Nandina. Here are substitutes that you can use instead of Nandina. And they give you a pretty good list of plants that they know will grow here. So the Grow Green Guide is a good starting point, not just for picking a plant, but for replacing, replacing a plant. You wanna get rid of your Nandina? Great. You've got some bamboo and you've successfully removed it. You want something else? They've got suggestions for you. So we still fall back on the grow green, not just to decide what we would like to plant, but what we can use as replacements for some of the plants we may have. Now, here's an interesting point, too, in a text. People are picking plants, particularly trees, and this conversation was about the Texas persimmon, where they're taking into account that if the tree is established, that as it grows up, it can provide shade underneath it for other plants to grow. Think about that. If you can get an established tree or shrub to start growing, it can provide shade for different kinds of drought-tolerant plants. You don't have to have a plant that has to survive in full sun. There are plenty of shade places, and there are good drought-tolerant, low-water-use plants that provide color, shape, texture, all kinds of wonderful things. Every time you plant a tree, you have created a spot where you can put these kind of things 
into place. So that is one advantage of looking over, looking over your landscape under these kind of conditions. First off, everybody's concerned, oh, my plant's gonna die. What am I gonna replace it with? Why don't we all take a deep breath and ask that question after we have gotten uh, we have gotten some rain. We will get rain again. The question is when, but many of these plants are looking terrible because of the drought, because we can't get them enough water, or because of the fact that we've had 72 consecutive days of 100 degree temperature. And not just 100, we've been up to 108. And these plants are like, oh, I've had enough. And some of them may have, some of them may not make it. But don't worry about those until you give them a chance. A little rain can make a huge difference. Your turf, you may be writing it off going, ah, it'll never come back. You may be very surprised once we can get some rain, particularly Bermuda grass. It is known as a drought tolerant grass. It can go very, very, very dormant. That's a polite way of saying it's bare ground. But those runners in the soil, it takes very little water to get them fired up again. And uh, you know how well Bermuda can run and fill back in. So before we give up, we, we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to understand stuff's gonna die. And you're gonna have to make some decisions about what you replace it with. But you know, it's like that joke in the movie, but I'm not dead yet, okay? Uh, I'm feeling much better. That's what you should be hearing after we actually get some rain. It's not about us providing them water. Rain has qualities about it that are incredibly difficult to recreate at home. For one, rain is acidic fairly acidic, about a 5.7. And the water supply companies work really hard to provide you water at about a 7.0 pH factor. Well, acidic water can help plants pick up nutrients that otherwise are very difficult for them to gather up. So, Rain can really spark things up again. And some of these plants going dormant is a defensive mechanism. If they go dormant, they don't need lots of water and energy to produce leaves or fruit or flowers. But once we get that rain back, they'll be able to correct. They'll be able to okay, I, I, I'm better now. Let me see what I can do. <laughs> oh, I love texts that uh, get my jokes. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, 
Be patient. I know things look like garbage out there. You've gone to so much work to create this beautiful landscape. And unfortunately, the weather is destroying it. But like I said, I'm not dead yet. So before you start crossing off the landscape and what you're going to tear out or have to tear out, let it rain. Let it rain. Let it rain really well. Let it rain well so that the ground can get saturated again and these plants can start working. The, the, these plants will start, start working again and will overcome this drought period. Some really good examples will be roses, and uh, I'm stuck in that position. I've got a couple that I absolutely love that had been beautiful this spring when we were getting rain. And right now, they really look like simple wooden sticks. I had roses during two free during the freeze was like that's dead. That's never coming back. And it didn't for a very long time. It was like June before I started seeing shoots. And right now it is a big, beautiful rose from the freeze. We have to give the plants the opportunity to grow back on their own. And the one thing they're missing is something we really can't provide them. That's rainwater. The quality of rainwater is the best there is when it comes to our garden. So hope for rain and give your plants a chance to come back from, in, from the rain and enjoy it. Uh, Donna, I see you there. I have to take a break at the bottom of the hour for the news. I'll catch you on the other side. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey folks, welcome back. Let's go to the phone. This is Donna. Donna, what can I help you with? Hi, Jeff. I just uh, want to know if there's anything that we can be doing or should be doing for the cracks that are getting wider and wider in our yard. Nope. That's uh, your soil type is probably very clay. And as it's dried out, it started to shrink. Once we get rain, that should expand again and the cracks will shrink, they'll come together, and they'll go away. Now the question will be, once we get rain. So there's okay. really nothing you can do about them anyway. Okay. Well, I was thinking maybe fill it in with dirt or... <laughs> you don't understand don't how much dirt you would need. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty wide and pretty deep, so I'll just wait for rain. Yeah, just be careful around them. 
because they're yes, guaranteed sure. you're walking through the yard, they're going to trip you. But uh, yes. other than being careful around them, we need uh, we need rain, and that will resolve yep. a lot of those problems. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for the call. Yeah, folks, uh, if you are in the Edwards Plateau, the rocky side of I-35, West Austin, you probably don't see a lot of this cracking. If you're in the Blackland Prairie, where the soil is very high clay content, clay expands and contracts. The drier it is, the more it will contract, and you'll get these cracks in your property. They're unnerving, but you really can't do a lot about it. It's all about rain. It is all about rain. When we get some rain, that soil will soak it up and begin to expand again. This is the flabjackers, you know, money-making time. Because as the soil contracts, you get cracks and cracks in your foundations. And that is a terrible thing. I do not do foundation repair. But I have heard, however true this is, I do not know. You can take a soaker hose and run it about two feet from the edge of your foundation all the way around your house. And when you get to water, you can water with that soaker hose to help keep the soil on the foundation of your house moist to reduce the amount of lift and fall that occurs as the soil expands and contracts. Again, I have heard this suggestion. As far as I know, it's an old wives' tale. But it may be effective at these kind of conditions for keeping things going. Now, when we do get rain, those cracks are not going to fill completely back up. This is how you get ruts, you little dips in the soil. But you can't fix them now. Those cracks could be very deep. And you don't know how much dirt you actually will have to put in that hole to fill that back up. It can be it can be a lot. And again, once we start to fill up, it may not, it still may not be enough. This is, <clears throat> this is the worst we've had in quite a while. This is, temperature-wise, this has been without a doubt the worst temperatures we've seen since we've been keeping track, which is about 150 years. Now, the flip side of that is we're also incredibly dry. We have had drier years than this one is turning out to be. But this one's pretty close to the worst. This one is uh, really nasty. So 
everything is going to revolve around getting some rain. My concern is, is that, you know how it works in Texas. We're going to have the, when we finally get some rain, it's going to be one of those ridiculous gully washers where it rains so much so fast that none of it can soak into the ground. And we have flooding, flash flooding, nastiness, feast or famine. That's kind of how it works around here. Any rain is appreciated. Even you folks who got, and somebody texted me that they got 0.44 inches of rain. Nowhere near enough. But the plants that got rained on, that could have been a lifesaver. That could be another week or two of them struggling and surviving until we get more rain. Now, talk a lot about rain and how it is the gold standard when it comes to water. The reason for that is the Texas Water Development Board did a bunch of studies and captured rainwater from all over the state they measured it and found out that its pH is 5.7 on average. It gets that because as it falls from the sky, carbon dioxide in the air gets flushed into the rainwater and that helps make carbolic acid. And that lowers the pH of the water to that 5.7 mark. When you turn your faucet on, when you turn your faucet on, your water supply company, whether it's the city of Austin, one of the outlying places, they work really hard to try to keep that water at a 7, which is neutral. They're not always successful. Sometimes it drifts up a little bit. That's a huge difference. Water is water. Getting any kind of water is good. But rainwater being slightly acidic really helps the soil, the plant biology. Everything is better when we get rain going on. Uh, I got a text here. It's a good question. A lot of the nurseries are having sales right now. They're kind of clearing out some of what's left, getting ready for the fall plantings that are going to be coming. And the question becomes, gee, I went and I bought some plants at a nursery, but should I be planting them now? Hmm. Probably not. If you keep them in their nursery pots and you keep them somewhere where they can get afternoon shade so the nursery pots don't get so hot, you can do better because it's easier to take care of a few pots than it is to wander all over your property where you planted stuff to get any water to it. 
I would not be planting those new plants right now. You can wait until we get the break. When is it going to break? No idea. Everybody knows the day, though. Everybody knows the day that the weather finally breaks because we go outside and it's like everybody has hope again. The weather is cool again. You know, we smile and we see what's really a beautiful part of Texas is it's fall. And we just need to wait till that day. Until that day. But we'll know when it happens. We'll know when this is broken. It's like breaking a fever. In a way, we are. Um, This is a good question. Uh, Is well water acidic? Nope. One of the things about our area here, the Edwards Aquifer, where much of the water comes from, is filtered through all kinds of limestone. It's one of the things that makes the water so clean, so clean. It's an excellent filter, but the water tends to be acidic. It's fairly easy to get it tested to know what the pH is, but more than likely, if you're not doing some treatment to it, well water is acidic. But again, water is water. We don't get picky about it. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, thanks to the person who texted me, I did pronounce it incorrectly. The CO2 that gets dissolved in rainwater creates carbonic Not carbolic, but carbonic acid. That's why rainwater is acidic. Also, someone reminded me that regardless of where you get your water from, unless it's your own private well, all of the water providers are required to produce an annual report. An annual report that describes um, various qualities of the water. What was its pH? How much junk is floating around in it? I think they call that turbidity. All of these values about the water, it is a free required report that they update every year. So whoever provides the water, whoever you pay your water bill to, you should be able to contact them and get a copy of the report. You usually can get it online. You may be surprised as to the numbers you see there. Some of them, we would like to see that water be a 7.0, and in reality, it is a high 8. They do what they can to correct that. 
It's not always possible or easy to do. Now, text message. So if you are transplanting something, that is the same as planting, okay? Consider it that way. If you would not go out and plant a new plant today, you should not go out and transplant something. There's very little difference. You're going to have to dig it up. You're going to have to dig it up, and uh, that's going to shock it. And in this heat, we already have enough problems. So if you have to transplant something, guess what? Don't do it now. Wait till the cool weather, okay? And uh, people asking about cutting back things like their muley grasses. Um, I don't cut mine back usually. I mean, the brown will get blown away by the breezes and new growth will come up. But if you are cutting it back, I wouldn't do it now. It's hot out. Trying to make a point here. You don't have to do these things right this minute. You want to cut it back? Great. Wait till the weather breaks. You just really, you really don't have to force yourself out there to do this yard work. So, don't worry about it. Do you ever need to cut back the muley? Not really. Nobody cuts it back out in the wild. You find it growing somewhere. I don't know about you, but I have never been able to convince the special garden gnome to come by my property and take care of my plants for me. So don't worry about it. They don't get cut back in the wild. You don't need to worry about cutting them back now, okay? I, I don't get the drive to want to do work when it's 100 and some degrees outside. Now, yesterday, it was almost 100 at 11 o'clock. That isn't even much of a break to quote, get out there early to get stuff done. So don't drive yourself to do these things. Your plants are not going to recognize a difference between trimming them back today and trimming them back a month from now. Now, I say a month because I'm assuming, probably wrongly, that a month from now, it'll be cooler. I hope I hope that it will be cooler less than a month from now, but uh, we have to take what we can get. So what do we do now? Like I said, this is perfect seed starting weather. You got new flowers you want to plant? Okay, start them inside. Start them from seed. That way when we do get a break, you'll have plenty of them to put in the ground. I have my tomatoes growing, got to pot them up. You can do that too. You know, you start them from seed 
And then you realize that, wow, they're really getting big in these starter pots, but it's still not the right conditions to plant them. Okay, pot them up, put them in a bigger container. Go to the next level of size. My tomatoes are in two by two squares in a seed starting tray. I'm going to put them into four inch pots. I may put them in to slightly larger ones, but they're doing just fine. They'll be fine. I get them transplanted and potted up two weeks from now. If the weather's right, they'll be more than ready to go in the ground and they'll get growing really fast. So urgency is not the call right now. It's sensible work. Seeds inside don't have to deal with 100 plus degree temperature. Potting them up don't have to get them in the ground too soon. This is an opportunity. Gardening inside works really well. Gardening inside works really, really well. Gardening outside the world is not going to come to a halt if you don't do it now. All of your plants, they'll still be here two weeks from now. Maybe we will get rain by then. Not looking, looking very promising, but hold out some hope. We've had 71 days of 100 plus degree temperatures. And we've got seven days ahead, ahead of us of 100 degree temperatures. So slow down, take a break, deal with it until we're able to get back outside. Once we get back outside, we can worry about our plants. Again, Rain is the answer. We will cool off. We will, everything will look so much better once we can get some rain. Who knows when that's going to be? We can only hope. Right now, they keep seeing these little splotches. You know, oh, this place may get a quick downpour. We need it to come together and cover the entire area and be good rain. Can't happen soon enough. And uh, those of you with rainwater collection systems, this is a perfect time to be cleaning them out. Get the junk out of them, rinse them out so that you are ready when the rain falls, to fill those tanks up with good, fresh water. Don't forget your mosquito dunks. Uh, mosquitoes are still going on. And then another little bit of bad news, we're at the time of the year where we're going to get our second wave of chiggers. Usually there's two waves in the spring and right about this time of the year. So don't forget to protect yourself if you are going outside because chiggers don't mind the heat. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I hope you have a great weekend. 
I will talk to you all again Saturday at 9 o'clock.